Aaron O'Toole misrepresented who he was to conservative members. He promised that he was true blue, and then he ran a campaign as a weak-willed red Tory who refused to stand his ground or defend Canada. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. Now, you probably noticed that we here at True North and here at the Candace Malcolm Show have been much more critical than usual of the Conservatives and of Aaron O'Toole. Now, I know that much of the reason why people like this program, like this channel, the, w- the reason that you tune into True North is because we don't typically take an overly critical view of Conservatives. That's what the legacy media does. The legacy media is there day in, day out to criticize Conservatives, to show their double standard, to push liberal talking points, push the liberal worldview, push liberal wedge issues, and basically do Justin Trudeau's dirty work. We're different. We give conservatives a fair shot. We try to remain open-minded, and we don't innately have a bias or a a bigotry against conservatives. So much of the legacy media, deep down, those journalists hate conservatives. They don't like conservative values. They don't like conservative people. They don't want those values represented in their parliament, in their government, in their society. And that is why they're so unfair to conservatives. Here at True North, we, we, we disagree. We like conservative values. We think that conservative values are Canadian values and that it's incredibly important um, to show both sides. So yes, so to people who like True North because we're typically more fair to conservatives and they wonder this week, why is Candace, why is True North being so unfair to conservatives? It's for that exact reason. We want to see a conservative party that is strong, a conservative party that is conservative. There's no point in having two liberal parties. And so the reason that we are being critical of Aaron O'Toole and of the conservative party is because we hope that they will listen and we hope that they will learn that the way that you win an election in Canada is not to apologize for conservatives. It's not to back away from your conservative values. It's not to flip-flop and change your mind and look indecisive and look weak. The, the way to win as a conservative is to own it, is to be proud of it, to, to push common sense, to push your values, and to not appear like you're unsure or that you're afraid or that you're embarrassed or that you're you're trying to hide uh, something. And, and, and that is the reason why we are being critical in this week after the election. Hopefully, we can all move past this stronger. So I want to go back in time a little bit on the program today, and I want to talk about how Aaron O'Toole became leader of this party, how he became the leader and what he did in order to get there. So recall that after uh, Andrew Scheer stepped down from leader in 2019, there was a leadership race to replace him as leader of the Conservative Party. There were four main candidates um, that emerged sort of as a front runner. So we had uh, Peter McKay, who is a very uh, high profile politician from Nova Scotia. He was a cabinet minister in the Harper government and he was sort of known as one of the leaders of the Progressive Conservative Party that merged with the Canadian Alliance to create the new iteration, which was the Conservative Party of Canada. He was a central figure in that. So he comes from the PC side of the party, the Progressive Conservative side. He's a, a, a well-known red Tory. Uh, other other candidates, we had Aaron O'Toole, and we'll, we'll get into him in a moment. Next, we had Leslie Lewis, who's a tremendous candidate. She's very well-educated, very articulate, social conservative. She's from Toronto. She's from an immigrant family and community, and she, she, she was great. But the problem with Leslie Lewis is that she was unknown to conservatives. She had didn't have a deep history in the party, a little bit inexperienced, and that kind of came out a little bit during the campaign. And no one really knew if she had 
what it would take to win. And finally, we had Derek Sloan, who is a social conservative. He was really seen as being strong on some of the issues. However, it became very apparent through his campaign that he was irresponsible, he was selfish, and a bit of a loose cannon. He really didn't have uh, what it took. And because of it, just shortly after uh, he lost, he ended up leaving the Conservative caucus and moving to Alberta, running a bizarre uh, independent campaign and basically got no support whatsoever. So he, he shot himself in the foot and he is out of the picture. But, but back to the leadership race. So, so, so we had these two social conservative candidates that each had their own flaws. And then we had these two sort of more experienced candidates, former cabinet ministers, both of them, both Aaron O'Toole and Peter McKay. They're both from Atlantic Canada originally. They're both from political families. Both their dads were politicians and conservative uh, politicians, representatives. And they're both sort of seen as red Tories. So for conservative voters, uh, they didn't really have a very strong option. There wasn't an obvious uh, apparent uh, leader uh, out of the bunch. It was sort of a given that probably Peter McKay would win just because he had the most name recognition and he had this sort of well-known political pedigree, sort of like the conservative version of Justin Trudeau. And, and, that, and that is when Aaron O'Toole sort of emerged as a realistic option. He is a former military man. He seemed like he was really strong on law and order, a fiscal conservative. He, he was obviously not a social conservative. He made it very clear from the beginning that he was not pro-life, that he would not put any restrictions whatsoever on abortion. Um, however, he did claim that he would respect the uh, beliefs of social conservatives, that there would be room for them in the party, which at the time was better than Peter McKay. Peter McKay kind of came out there and said that the reason that Andrew Sheard lost the election was because of his conservative values, his, his social conservative values, and that was a problem to Peter McKay, whereas Aaron O'Toole proposed the other side and said, no, uh, there's room, there, there's a big tent, there's room for these people in my party. And that was the reason why he won. That was the reason why he won. He, he presented himself as true blue. He was strong on some of the issues. He was adamantly opposed to a carbon tax. He talked about balancing the budget. He presented himself as a conservative. This is what Aaron O'Toole looked like back in 2020 when he was running for leader of this party. Who's going to defend our history, our institutions against attacks from cancel culture and the radical left? Uh, I am a, a proud conservative. I've fought on a range of issues from military and veterans to foreign affairs, public safety, and certainly the economy. I'm Aaron O'Toole, and I'm running to unite conservatives on the path to victory. I'm not a career politician. I'm not a product of the Ottawa bubble. Politics, he is a principled conservative. He doesn't run away from a fight. He doesn't get intimidated by the left or the media. I'm pretty blue on all elements. I do respect human rights and the decisions of our courts. A plan to get serious on public safety, support the rule of law, and end the unfair demonization of law-abiding firearms owners. So that was Aaron O'Toole 18 months ago. And the Aaron O'Toole that emerged on the campaign trail in the past six weeks was a different person. He was a different, he had a different set of priorities. He spoke differently. He was talking about different things. And that is a problem that so many conservatives are having right now with Aaron O'Toole. It's not so much that he ran as a red Tory. Look, there's room for red Tories in the party. And when I say red Tory, it's not even really clear what this term means anymore because it used to mean someone who came from the progressive conservative wing of the party, the old party that was sort of more big government. Uh, they were okay with big spending. They were sort of, um, sort of more socialists on the economic front and then you know they were conservative because of just 
party loyalty. Um, you know, they, they perhaps they believed in law and order, these kind of things. Um, and then and then it really kind of changed to mean that a red Tory was someone who was liberal on social issues and moral issues. They were uh, pro-gay marriage, pro-abortion, uh, all the same kind of things that the liberals on the left were. Uh, but then they, maybe they were fiscally conservative, and that and that was sort of what a red Tory was. Uh, today, it's not even really clear. Uh, what it means, it seems like the whole party is in support of gay marriage now, and that abortion issue is not going away. There's people who really morally oppose uh, to abortion, and then other people who just really don't care about the issue, and they don't want to talk about it, they don't want it to be central in the campaign, they just want it to go away, and because of that, they'll just sort of mirror the liberal talking points uh, on that issue. So, so this, so this term red Tory, it's not even really clear in today's landscape. Like, is a red Tory woke? Are they far left? Do they believe um, that little kids should be getting uh, hormone treatments to change their gender? Like, like th 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 these are questions that haven't really been addressed. But, but, but back to Aaron O'Toole. The problem with him in this campaign was was the fact that he had presented himself as the real deal, as a real conservative. And then as soon as the uh, writs were drawn up and he started speaking, it became really clear that his strategy was to basically hug the liberals, show the Canadian public that he was very much a liberal, and that the main difference between him and Trudeau was that he was just more competent, a better manager, and so that he, he would continue to promote Justin Trudeau's vision for the country. He would just be a better manager of that government. And that's why he failed. That's why he lost the election, because he really just didn't provide a clear enough distinction between him and Trudeau. And no, nobody wants a conservative party that promotes liberalism. They want a conservative party that promotes conservatism. So over at TNC, we compile a list of the five biggest flip-flops that Aaron O'Toole did on the campaign. So I'm going to go through those quickly. So I think the, the, the first and the worst was that he proposed a carbon tax, which was the exact opposite of what he had said earlier. So during his conservative leadership campaign, O'Toole was adamant that he would repeal the liberal government's federal carbon tax. Uh, this is what that looked like. This is a picture of him with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation signing a pledge saying no carbon tax pledge. I, Erin O'Toole, promise that if elected Prime Minister of Canada, I will immediately repeal the Trudeau carbon tax and reject any future carbon tax or cap and trade scheme. And here it is, signed Aaron O'Toole, dated June 18th, 2020. Okay, so we all know how that went down. A few months later, in April 2021, Aaron O'Toole released his party's climate change policy, and it included this whole complicated scheme where they put a price on carbon, and then they played this like weird semantics game where they tried to say, no, it wasn't a carbon tax, it was a carbon savings account, even though Justin Trudeau also claims that his carbon tax is not a carbon tax, it's a carbon price. So you had the same semantical game. Um, a lot of people were really mad about that when that came out. And, you know, by the by the time the campaign rolled around, Aaron O'Toole was just basically spouting the same things that we heard from the Liberals nonstop. He, here's a CBC article from August 2021, how the Conservatives came around to supporting a carbon tax. It says here, O'Toole now admits the most efficient way to reduce emissions is through putting a price on carbon. And then here we go in the last week of the campaign. Again, the uh, Conservatives go to the Toronto Star. This is a Toronto Star exclusive, the most left-wing newspaper in the country who hate Conservatives uh, are getting exclusives from the Conservative Party 
And here it says, Aaron O'Toole says, that the Liberals' carbon price won't automatically get scrapped if he's prime minister. So he went from adamantly opposing carbon taxes so much that he was willing to sign a pledge and stand by it uh, when he wanted to run the Conservative Party uh, to sort of being squishy about it, saying, here's my plan. It's not a tax. It's a carbon price, and it's going to go into a carbon savings account. And then by the time the campaign rolled around, it was like, no, Justin Trudeau's carbon taxes are here to stay. Of course, that wasn't the only uh, walk back that we saw during his campaign to become conservative leader. O'Toole was unequivocal that he would defund and privatize CBC's English properties. He also said that he respects independent journalists and that he would fully recognize the Independent Press Gallery of Canada, that is the press gallery that I am the president of, and that he said that he would give our press gallery equal standing to the PPG in Ottawa. Then fast forward a few months in the Conservative platform, O'Toole only pledged that he would review the mandate of the CBC, he no longer said that he would defund it, and throughout the campaign he failed to grant interviews with independent journalists, failed to let independent journalists into his campaign. Next, this is something that really upset social conservatives and people who uh, believe that the purpose of the Conservative Party is to push a moral vision for the country. O'Toole had previously claimed that under his leadership, Conservative caucus members would be able to vote freely, vote according to their morals, and according to their conscience. But then, of course, during the campaign, he said that MPs who do not fully support his platform would not be able to sit in his caucus. He would They would not be able to sit as conservatives unless they agreed with his platform, which his platform was very socially left-wing. So that's another flip-flop. Next, he flip-flopped when it came to protecting the conscience rights of doctors and hospital workers. So in O'Toole's leadership platform, when he was running for leadership of the Conservative Party, he stated that he would protect the conscience rights of doctors and healthcare workers. He said that healthcare workers would have the right to refuse patients looking for abortions or looking to do euthanasia, that that would be up to the doctor and their moral rights. It said that Aaron O'Toole would defend the conscience rights of all healthcare professionals whose beliefs, religious or otherwise, prevent them from carrying out or referring patients for services that violate their conscience. Then in the party platform that came out during the election, this promise was reiterated. It says that we will protect the conscious rights of healthcare professionals. The challenges of dealing with COVID-19 have reminded us of the vital importance of healthcare professionals. The last thing Canada can afford is to drive away any of these professionals out of their profession. But then, surprise, surprise, halfway through the campaign, Aaron O'Toole flipped on that position and said that doctors will not have the right to refuse to refer patients for abortions. He said they will have to refer because the rights to access those services exist across the country. We have to respect conscience rights, but we have to be there for referral. So the exact opposite of what he had said all along. So as you can see, there's a trend going on here. And the worst example of this flip-flopping had to do with Justin Trudeau's gun ban, which Aaron O'Toole had opposed. He had used the support of gun owners, legal gun owners, uh, to win the leadership. He relied on that support. And then when it came to the election time, even though it was really clear in his platform that he was going to reverse the liberal gun grab, the liberals uh, came out and banned 1,500 uh, firearms rather arbitrarily. Andrew Lawton here at True North uh, came up with an extensive documentary looking at this issue. So if you want to know more about this issue and understand it, go over and check out Assaulted, which is Andrew Lawton's four-part series on this. But regardless, Aaron O'Toole completely reversed his position. And this is, this is to me, the most problematic one, because when it comes to Justin Trudeau, when it comes to the Liberals and the way that they ran their campaign, this idea of creating wedge issues. So 
Aaron O'Toole is supposed to be a law and order guy. He has a military background. He that that, that is one of the strongest areas um, that he had from a conservative perspective. And so you would expect that if Justin Trudeau tried to create an election wedge issue over guns. Aaron O'Toole would stand up and say, do you know what, Justin Trudeau, you want to make this election about law and order and safety and illegal guns and the problem of gun control? Let's have that conversation. Let's talk about the number of illegal firearms in Canada. Let's talk about the way that you have loosened sentences for people who are found with illegal guns. How? Let's talk about revolving door prison systems that allow dangerous criminals who commit violent acts with guns are allowed back on the streets. He, he could have turned the table. He could have stood his ground and said, you're going after legal firearms owners, what you should be going after is dangerous criminals. That is what was expected of Aaron O'Toole. That's the idea behind being a conservative. Instead of allowing the liberals to create the narrative and then just sort of weak-willed st stepping back and saying, oh, okay, well, we'll just uh, change our position and go with the liberal position. No, conservatives want to see you standing up, standing your ground, fighting for your position and your values. And again, Justin Trudeau is weak on this issue. So why not go after Trudeau on an issue that he is weak? This, in a nutshell, is why Aaron O'Toole lost the election. It's not so much that he was a left wing. I don't think that Canadians by and large really care about left versus right. What they do care about is seeing someone who has conviction, seeing someone who is confident and sure of themselves, and seeing someone who has something to say, who has a vision for the country that's not just pushing platitudes, pushing talking points, saying the same banal platitudes that we hear over and over from politicians. They want to hear someone who has an idea, who has convictions, and who stands their grounds. That's not what Aaron O'Toole did in this campaign. Instead, he was sounding a lot like Justin Trudeau, and you can see this on election night. Now, I'm going to play this clip. There's not anything wrong, per se, with what they're saying here. They're talking about how Canada is this great, big, diverse country, and we're inclusive, and we like everyone, and everyone's a part of it. Yeah, that kind of stuff is just common knowledge at this point. You don't really need to create a whole political speech about how diverse and great this country is. We hear that every day from the liberals. And so again, it's not like there's anything wrong with this message. It's a fine message, but it doesn't inspire. It doesn't excite. It's more like we're being lectured about how we have to like each other. Instead of really presenting this vision for the country, it sounds like Aaron O'Toole here is basically trying to convince you that he is just like the liberals. So let's see uh, this montage of side-by-side Trudeau and Aaron O'Toole on election night basically delivering the same speech. No matter how you voted, just like no matter where you come from, what language you speak, the color of your skin, the way you pray, I hear you. Above all, we must continue to show Canadians that whether you're black, white, brown, or from any race or creed, whether you're LGBTQ or straight, whether you are an Indigenous Canadian or came to Canada five weeks ago or five generations ago, que le français soit votre première ou deuxième langue, whether you're doing well or barely getting by, whether you worship on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, every day or not at all, you are an important part of Canada. For our shared journey on the path of reconciliation, it's a conservatism that believes reconciliation is more than a box to check. It is the very keystone of Canada reaching its potential, and it starts with clean drinking water as a basic human right still denied to Indigenous children born today. Let us not forget the past and the dark days we have come through together, but let us still more look to the future 
and all that is still to come. One that addresses is the challenges of today while advancing the dreams of tomorrow. And all that we have still to build together. A conservatism that builds Canada up. Let's build it up. Canadians don't want weak politicians. They want someone who is sure of themselves, someone who stands their ground, someone who presents and promotes their views with passion and conviction. They don't want another version of the Liberal Party. They don't want a weak leader who's going to change his mind and just say anything to get elected. That's why the Conservatives lost. That's why Aaron O'Toole is not Prime Minister today. And if the Conservatives ever want to win in this country, again, they have to figure this out sooner rather than later. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.